Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU Podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. And man, what a weekend at the box it was as the Tigers win the series. They take two out of three from Arkansas. So in this episode, we'll take a brief look at each game. We'll go over the three big things that I learned from the weekend. How did my get right, stay right list do? And finally, what does the upcoming week look like for the LSU Tigers? So as always, you can find the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU Podcast on Apple Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe, hit that notifications bell, hit that like button as well. Also, don't forget the Twitter account at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Make sure to follow me, interact with me on Twitter as well, and hit that notifications bell so you know anytime I tweet something out. So, as you can tell, the voice is a, a little a little haggard here. And when you attend the Friday-Saturday games and you're cheering, you know, I got a chance to hang out with Alex Day, who's uh, been on the, the live streams and been on the podcast before. He's over at the Weekend uh, the weekend Rotation College Baseball Podcast. And I finally met my guy, Jim Cross, who does the In Off the Bench Podcast. That is some outstanding content as well. So I hope to have Jim on the show very soon doing the Tennessee preview and the review episodes. But I had a blast at the box. I got to attend those games with my son. And um, we just enjoyed every moment of it as we saw Friday and the first game on Saturday. So let's get into Friday. And we were wondering with the noon start and the late notification, what the crowd would look like. Obviously, you have a marquee matchup with Skeens going and Hunter Holland, the left-handed pitcher from Arkansas. But, you know, we just found out on Thursday the game got moved up due to weather and it's absolutely the right decision. But the box did not fail to impress. The atmosphere was awesome. The stands were packed. I think we looked around in the second inning and felt just like a Friday night game in terms of attendance. So hats off to the LSU crowd. And just a great atmosphere on Friday for a noon start. But unfortunately, the Tigers dropped that game 9-3. to That game was much closer than that score would indicate. As Arkansas scores 10, excuse me, 8 runs in the 10th inning to pull away. And that game, the Friday game, really had three storylines to me. First, Paul Skeens. He was absolutely dominant once again. So on the day, Skeen goes 7 innings pitched, 2 hits, 1 run, 1 earned three walks, and 12 Ks. And that run came by way of a 0-2 pitch that Josenberger hit for a double, a wild pitch. He moved up to third, and then Peyton Stovall hit him in with a sack fly, and that's it. Besides that, Skeens blew Arkansas hitters away. You saw Skeens' fastball hit 101.7 miles an hour in the first inning. And then also, when you look at his other fastballs in the first inning, Skeens did not drop below 100 miles an hour. And to me, I saw the full evolution of Paul Skeens as a pitcher. He threw all four pitches that he has for a strike, fastball, slider, changeup, and yes, he has started to work in an overhand curveball as well. But then the one thing I wanted to see from him, he did. He started busting left-handed hitters inside with that 97 to 100 mile power fastball. You saw him do that early in the count. You saw him finish hitters off with two strikes. And when he does that, and it's going to be important moving forward, Tennessee coming to town. But when he does that, he is nearly unhittable, as he showed only giving up two hits and in seven innings pitched. So phenomenal outing by that young man. He is absolutely appointment viewing to either attend that game live, which is great, or to watch that game on TV. He's just a dominant force, and he is by far and away the best pitcher in the country, hands down, right now. The other storyline was the combination of two left-handed pitchers for Arkansas, Hunter Holland and then Hagen Smith. Holland was great for the Hogs. He had all of his pitches working. He held LSU to three hits and five and a third innings pitch with seven Ks. 
And LSU had some really ugly, really bad swings and bad ABs versus Holland. And then you have Hagen Smith, follow him up. And if you've listened to the pod or you watched the preview episode, we discussed this. We knew that Hagen Smith was Arkansas's ace. He moved to, moved to the bullpen last weekend for the Auburn series, and he may be there for the foreseeable future if they if they've dealt with some injuries in that pitching staff. So we knew Hagen Smith was going to come in. It was just a matter of when he came in. And when he came in, he was going to finish that puppy off. And that's exactly what he did. He did give up a two-run home run to Cruz in the 10th, but at that point, the game was really over. Hagen Smith had eight Ks and four and two-thirds innings pitched. He gave up the tying home run to Brady Neal in the eighth. But besides that, any type of uh, rally or issues that he ran into via the LSU hitters, Hagen Smith was able to snuff out um, any problems and deal with that. And he had a really good outing as well. So really, if you look at it on Friday, LSU faced two aces, Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland. And they were just tough to deal with as LSU strikes out 15 times and loses that game. And no, I'm not going to go into LSU facing left-handed pitching. I felt like that horse has been beat to death. Maybe we'll get into that conversation at another time. But I'm just not going to do that here on the podcast. We've discussed that enough. Let's move on. Lastly, the other storyline of the Friday game to me was the LSU bullpen. And yep, LSU did make some blunders and some base running mistakes. That could be a story of the game. And they didn't hit the left-handed pitchers, as I just discussed. But we saw something good coming out of the bullpen, and we saw something that could be a little worrisome. So Chase Shores relieved Skeens, and I thought he looked great. I was surprised by that move. I didn't know if exactly that was the right move, just due to the fact that Arkansas has got a very experienced lineup, and Skeens was coming into the meat grinder. That game was in the eighth. That's just a tough situation to put the freshman in. But out there, he did fabulous as Chase Shores went two innings pitched, one hit, and three Ks. So a really good job by him, and you can see him building confidence coming out of the bullpen and SEC play. But then also you saw Christian Little. He came on in relief of Chase Shores, and he was not able to get out of the jam for the second SEC game in a row. I wouldn't say it was a terrible outing. I went back and watched some of the highlights. I would just say it was subpar. You know, he gave up a three-run home run to the pinch hitter from Arkansas as he comes off the bench and sends one over the fence. And on the day, Little was a third of an inning, three hits, four runs, one walk. And like I said, he gave up that uh, go-ahead home run. But I just think his performance and what he did against AM, you have to look at that moving forward. You wonder how uh, – obviously Jay and Wes Johnson will talk to him, and he'll bounce back. You know, he's been in an established program such as Vanderbilt. You just worry a little bit about his confidence. And then what's the plan for him moving forward? LSU doesn't have a true closer at this time, so you wonder if he's going to continue to get those um, opportunities or maybe they look at somebody else to fill that role. Moving on to Saturday. So once again, the box was slammed. The concourse was packed. I mean packed. Standing room only was just nuts. Uh, it was almost like you were backed up to the vendors. And they just had a ton of Arkansas fans there. And those guys were good to see. They travel well as a fan base. And then the LSU fans came out in droves for a gorgeous uh, weather on Saturday and just a great game as they had the ability to catch two games with that double header. The question for me was, how would LSU bounce back after the tough loss on Friday, well, they did it, and they did it in a loud way. Is they 10-run rule Arkansas 12-2, to and to me, it was an absolute statement game, one, for some of the fans that may have doubted LSU on Friday night, but two, to the rest of the country saying, look, you may have took one from us on Friday, but you're in our house, baby. We're the number one ranked team in the country, and we don't care where you're ranked, and they absolutely demolished Arkansas starting pitching. 
On Saturday, you saw Cade Beloso move in at first. So that meant Morgan moved to the outfield along with Pearson and, of course, Dylan Cruz. And you saw Bear Jones stick at the DH spot. But once again, right away, Arkansas gets it going with a two-run home run in the first off of Ty Floyd. Then Floyd goes on to hit two batters in a row. And me personally, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. LSU's going to fall behind and maybe the hole is just too big to come down from. You'd really like to grab some of that momentum from Arkansas after they had that very emotional win on Friday night. But I'm going to tell you this. For as many accolades as I'm getting ready to throw Ty Floyd's way, the best thing he did all game and probably the most important thing he did all game was that he limited Arkansas to two runs in the first inning by getting back-to-back strikeouts after he hit those guys. Now, that could have easily snowballed into a four spot, and all of a sudden, LSU's coming into the dugout already down four to nothing. But he limited the damage, and he was phenomenal after that. So the Tigers strike right back in the second as they get four runs, aided by a Dugas home run to left and a Morgan home run to right field. And you really felt like if Floyd could hold them, then the LSU hitters could be off and running, and they were. LSU scores one in the third, two in the fifth. They score two more in the sixth, and they cap it off with three in the seventh to 10-run roll the Hogs. And they just beat their pitching into submission. They did a fabulous job of getting Will McIntyre, the Arkansas starter, out the game early. And we knew from the preview episodes that Arkansas's pin was not very deep. So the sooner LSU could get into it, once Hagen Smith was out the way on Friday, the better off that would be for LSU's hitters. And we knew they were almost all right-handed pitchers. They did show uh, Zach Morris came in, and he was left-handed, but he didn't cause LSU any problems on the weekend. Cruz hits another home run on the day. But on Saturday, it was really the heart of the lineup. As you looked at the leaders, the older guys, the veterans led the way. Dugas hits a bomb. Morgan hits a bomb, and he had three hits. Cruz had three hits with a home run. Tommy White chips in with two hits. Pearson and Thompson had two and three hits, respectively. So it's the heart of that order, order, and those veterans really leading the way. And you love to see that when they can hit through the lineup, but you love to see the veterans put their bad ABs and the 15 strikeouts they had on Friday night. They put that in the rearview mirror, and they were just focused on getting both games on Saturday. And to me, the hitters were definitely part of the story. There's no doubt, as I just mentioned. But the headliner was Ty Floyd. And I think Floyd seems to split opinions among the LSU faithful and the LSU fan base. But to me, he was massive for the Tigers in game one Saturday, a game that you had to have if you were going to win the series, obviously. So Floyd goes six and a third innings pitch, three hits, two runs, two walks, and seven Ks in 108 pitches. And he got better and better as the game went on. He ran into a little bit of a trouble in the third inning, but he was able to get out of it. And then from there, four, five, six, seven, you saw his pitch count climbing on the scoreboard, but he was in such a rhythm. You know, some me and Alex and Jim and my son were talking about it. Like, just keep rolling him out there. As long as he can stay under 110, 120 pitches, and he's not a lot of effort, he's having quick innings and not long ABs. And Arkansas wasn't hitting him. He was blowing their doors off. Just send him out there, send him out there. Obviously, he's in shape. Uh, He did mention in the postgame interview that the humidity – Really, the first time it's been humid all year. Him and Skeens talked about the humidity a little bit between themselves, and it did have a little bit of an effect. But you could hear from that postgame interview as well that Floyd was ready to throw 120 pitches, and he was going to do whatever it took for the Tigers to get that win, and he did that. So hats off to Ty Floyd. Massive outing. And the other thing that he did 
was that he had quick innings. He attacked his own, but he saved the bullpen. Remember, we talked about him getting into the fifth or the sixth, and he did that as he went seven. But he didn't have to – excuse me, six and a third. But he didn't have to tax the bullpen, right? Garrett Edwards came on in relief of Floyd. He got the last two outs by way of strikeout, and that was it. That was a wrap. So MVP of that game, besides the hitters, with those 12 runs, they're going to take maybe the headlines. Ty Floyd, MVP of the game for Saturday, in my opinion. Now, moving on to game two Saturday, series tied 1-1. The Tigers got a, a chance to really make a statement across the country after dropping Friday, a chance to take two out of three, which is the goal in every weekend series. you got to hold serve at home, take two out of three, and win that series versus Arkansas at home. Thatcher Hurd took the mound, and here we go again. LSU's down for the third game in a row as they find themselves in some trouble early. Hurd gives up two runs with two outs, and he was just kind of scuffling. But the Tigers answer back as they tie it up in the bottom of the first with, tell me if you've heard this again, Dylan Cruz hits an absolute monster blast to center field. And Hurd kind of scuffles a little bit. And then in the third inning, that's it for Hurd. As he goes two innings pitched, four hits, four runs, four earned, five walks. And that's really the killer to me is when you look at his line, five walks really hurts. Anytime you put runners on base and they don't have to hit their way on, they don't have to put the ball in play, that's always going to be tough to work around in three Ks on the day for Thatcher Hurd. You see Griffin Herring, the freshman lefty from Texas. He came in for Hurd, and you heard, uh, no pun intended there, Jay Johnson talk on Thursday that you would see Griffin Herring at some point this weekend on the back of his really nice outing on Tuesday night versus Central Arkansas. And I thought Herring did great. He did his job. Anytime you're a reliever, you want to stop the bleeding if you come in with men on base, limit the damage, but then the next time you go out, regardless of if LSU scores or not, you got to throw up a zero. you just got to give LSU's hitters a chance to see that pitcher, put some runs up on the board, and try to continue to throw up zeros, which is what Herring did. So Herring goes two innings pitch for the lefty, two hits and one run. And I think you're going to start to see more of him out of the bullpen during the SEC weekends moving forward. And that can only help. That can only add depth along with Chase Shores. So those freshmen are getting tested early in conference play, and they look like they are up to the task. From a pitching side, though, the star of the day to me, just like it was on Saturday game one, was uh, Ty Floyd. When you look at Saturday game two, the star of the day to me, was Garrett Edwards, and he has been phenomenal in 2023. He's kind of been the unsung hero, the star of that pitching staff, if I had to pick one, and especially in that bullpen. A magnificent job by Edwards for him to keep the game in check as he relieved Herring. He let LSU's hitters take control of the game. He kept putting up zeros. We know he works quickly. He pounds the zone. He's going to throw a mid-90s fastball with that wipeout slider. And on the day, Garrett Edwards once again continues to impress. So his line was four innings pitched, two hits, and six Ks. So great job by that young man. Um, I read some uh, post-game quotes from Garrett Edwards. I think Leah Van put them out in her article in The Advocate today that uh, Wes Johnson told him after his two-thirds of an inning in game one that he was going to be needed in game two, and that doesn't surprise me. He didn't throw very many pitches, obviously. So he said mentally he got ready, but also physically he went and got some uh, treatment, went through his warm-up routine, and he was good to go for game two. Then let's move on to the hitters. But LSU's hitters went nuts as they face Adcock from Arkansas, another right-handed pitcher. Dugas hits a home run, but the story of the day was really Tommy Tanks as he hit two home, as he hit two home runs in game two of Saturday. Seven RBIs, a three-run home run, and a grand slam. 
to cap it off. Tanks hit a three-run home run in the fourth. Uh, the grand slam he hits in the sixth. Uh, and just a fabulous day by him because he struggled a lot in terms of just bad ABs that you're not used to seeing Tommy White have. He really struggled on Friday, just kind of flailing at some pitches, swinging at a ton of pitches in the dirt, which is kind of odd. And I read um, some more quotes from him. I believe, once again, Leah Van, hats off to her, on her Twitter account where she said that Tommy White texted Jay Johnson after the Friday game, and he apologized. I mean, for a young man to have um, that kind of selflessness, to feel like he let the team down, he says, I apologize for uh, my plate appearances today, coach. Uh, it won't happen again, and I'll be ready on Saturday. And boy, was that kid ready. Hats off to you, Tommy Tanks, and your seven RBIs and your monster blast as LSU beats Arkansas in convincing fashion for game two, 14-5. I was really hoping they would get a 10-run rule just so I could boast on Twitter that it's back-to-back 10-run rules against the Hogs. But just wet away after Skeens is fabulous. You feel like you let that one slip, slip away. You feel like you let his outing kind of go to waste. But for those hitters to pick it up and just kind of really destroy the Arkansas pitching staff after they dominated Auburn last weekend, that really sends a message to the rest of the SEC that even against top five teams in the country, and they got another one coming in next weekend, there are plenty of them out there. It's not just a bottom-of-the-barrel SEC pitching staff that these guys can put up double-digit runs. That's massive heading into the Tennessee series. So what are the three big things that I learned from the weekend? All right, first big thing that I learned This is kind of a no-brainer, but it just really hit me, is that Skeens really is as dominant as he has shown, is that when you look at his numbers, he is as dominant as his numbers have shown up to this point in the year. But I really wanted to see him against SEC lineups. I think everybody knew after his first outing that he was going to dominate non-conference opposition. But my question mark was, how would he dominate better, more experienced, more talented hitters in the SEC? First off with A&M, who's a top 25 program, and then with Arkansas coming into town, who is a top five team at the moment. And, well, Skeens is him, bro. He is that dude. He is that guy. When you look at um, his last two weekends combined, so this is A&M and Arkansas, Paul Skeens has thrown 13 and a third innings pitched, six hits, one run, three walks, and 23 Ks in the last two weekends versus AM and Arkansas. So 23 Ks and 13 and a third innings pitched. He is that dude. And I just wondered, you know the velocity and the fastball is going to play at an elite level. But I wondered if his secondary pitches would play in the SEC. His two-seamer, his changeup, his slider, and now he's throwing that curveball. And yes, they absolutely play. They baffle hitters. He makes people look dumb. He strikes out people looking. He has the ability to throw other pitches besides his fastball in 3-2 counts. And I just can't wait to watch him pitch against Tennessee and South Carolina the next two weekends because it really doesn't get any easier, right? He's going to have to face Ole Miss, Bama, Auburn. He's got to face Georgia, who can absolutely swing it at the end of the year. And so uh, it's the Paul Skeen Show on Friday night. And mark that off in your calendar. Check it wherever you are. You need to be at the game in front of your phone or somewhere to watch this man pitch because uh, he is a treasure. He is uh, he's amazing when he takes the bump, and I love it. The second big thing that I learned from the weekend, do we have pitching question marks here on the LSU staff? So is there a question mark on Sunday moving forward? Does Hurd still get to keep his spot? 
And I think he does right now. I mean, there are some options that we could talk about that I could go into, but I think moving forward, I think Jay knows how important he is to this team and to the uh, end results to where they want to get, as I've mentioned several times on the podcast. But I think Hurd just uh, – he's just scuffled a little bit right now with a bit of his control. And um, they need him to get better and hopefully sooner rather than later for LSU to achieve their goals. Is there a question mark around Christian Little now with back-to-back subpar outings? You know, I will never say a kid through horrible or terrible because I've been there, and it happens. And there's definitely ebbs and flows, specifically in the bullpen, due to the spots you're coming in and due to the amount of pressure that is on you to automatically get out of jams or automatically get a ground ball or a strikeout. And you're going to make bad pitches and bad things are going to happen. It's just a matter of being a bullpen person. Do you have the mentality to shrug it off, to shake it off, and look forward to that next outing and figure out a way to get right on the mound? LSU doesn't have a true closer at this moment. I don't know if they've necessarily really needed one. But then do you see Edwards maybe take on that role that Little has kind of had? Now, Edwards and Little have kind of been sharing it, right? They're both kind of that quote-unquote fireman role to where they come in, they get out of jams. You've seen Edwards extend a little more in terms of um, pitches thrown or innings pitched on the weekends. And I just wonder if they maybe flip-flop their roles. I, I don't know. You know, does Little potentially bump into that Sunday spot and let Hurd move to the pin? I have no idea. But I think it's a fair question to ask is, is do they have some question marks on that pitching staff right now. But on the flip side, the two big bright spots from the weekend are Chase Shores and Griffin Herring. And can they continue to produce in the SEC? Can they bolster that depth when you look at Ackenhausen and Cooper as well? Unfortunately, Bryce Collins continues to scuffle. So they're looking for more arms to add more depth, especially in the rigors of the SEC. Look, the starters are going to get hit. The bullpen is going to have to step up. Every SEC series has that. So the more arms, the more bullets you have down there, the better it off it is for LSU moving forward. And then finally, the last thing that I learned this weekend, you better be able to hit in the SEC. I know you can roll your eyes and that goes without saying, but when LSU can put up 12 runs, 14 runs, you look at Vanderbilt, who is absolutely boat racing Mississippi State this weekend. They scored in the 20s. Uh, Georgia scored 16 runs in one inning versus Auburn. You know, we're not talking, no offense, we're not talking about lower tier Division I teams like SWAC teams or teams that may not have the depth in pitching. We're talking about good SEC teams that are just get their ERAs are just getting absolutely crushed on the weekend. Pitchers are getting their feelings hurt every weekend. So you better be able to hit. And this lineup can do it with multiple variations and different players inserted at different spots. Look at the options such as you can put Kling in there. You can put Jones, and you can move those guys in and out the lineup. You can put Beloso, a veteran guy, in that lineup. Maybe he hasn't hit in two or three games, and he can come in there and give you quality at-bats and drive-in runs. You got Joe Bear as well, who can go yard at any moment. Then you got guys like Stevenson that can come in and provide some defensive help along with Napolt. So they have a ton of options, but they can hit, and guys are ready to hit and ready to play whenever they get inserted into the lineup. Nobody's pouting. Nobody's causing a fuss. Everybody's just chomping at the bit to prove to Jay Johnson that they deserve to be in this lineup, and I love it. All right, wrapping you up here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod as we're finishing up on the Arkansas series. So how did I do in the get right, stay right list? Not a banner weekend for your boy. Get right. I had Paxton Kling. That was a miss. Kling, unfortunately, just didn't factor into the weekend. He had a 1AB and was 0 for 1. So hopefully he gets a chance during the midweek against Grambling, I believe. 
So Kling was a miss. I had Raleigh Cooper. That was a miss as well. Cooper only threw one inning this weekend. He did fine. I think he gave up one hit. Just didn't really factor into the plans as well, which surprised me because I knew Arkansas was going to have a ton of left-handed hitters. But Cooper did not get a chance to really throw or leave an imprint on the weekend. And then finally on the get-right list, I had Thatcher Hurd, and that was a miss as well. So I've talked about his outing in game two, but I did a little bit more digging. And the biggest thing that stands out to me, and I think where he's running into trouble, are the number of walks that he has on the year. So I went back and looked at his UCLA stats from 2022. And compared him to this year, remember he got hurt. So he had nine appearances, six games started. So I think he had right around 34 innings pitched right here on the sheet. So in 2023 for LSU, Hurd has thrown 23 innings pitched, and he has um, 11 walks. So last year for UCLA in 34 innings pitched, he had 10 walks. So that's one of the things where he's kind of getting into some trouble. He's, I think he's kind of struggling a little bit with his control of all of his pitches, whether that's a fastball, a slider, or a changeup. But I think uh, when you look at that walk number, and I think that's incorrect. Actually, he has 15 walks. So 15 walks and 23 innings pitched. I mistyped it. I apologize. So more walks already than he had at UCLA. So that's something to watch out for going forward. And I wonder if that's going to be a telltale sign of, depending on how his outing goes, if that's kind of where he ran into trouble is giving away free passes. Stay right. Who did I have? Josh Pearson. I got to call that a miss on my part. I felt like he had a better weekend than he did. But you look at his uh, all three games, he went three for 13 with three Ks on the weekend. And it just felt like he was more productive. But I got to be honest, I got to hold myself to a high standard. So three for 13, I'm going to call that a miss for Pearson. But look, I love seeing him in the lineup. Keep putting him out there. He can do a lot of different things. Hit at the top, uh, hit towards the bottom. But I love having Pearson in the lineup from the left side. Gavin Dugas was on my stay right list. I'm going to call this a push. Once again, kind of like Pearson. I thought he had a better weekend than he did. But Dugas was two for 10 with both of his hits being home runs. So that's why I put it more as a push and then a miss. So along with those two home runs, he had four RBIs, four walks, which is pretty impressive, and four Ks for Gavin Dugas. That'll be a push. And then finally, I had a hit on the get right, stay right list. My hit was Garrett Edwards. I had him on the stay right list. And boy, did he stay right. Two appearances versus Arkansas. And those two appearances, Edwards went four and two-thirds innings pitched, two hits, one walk, and eight Ks. Great job at Edwards. A ton of respect. And just keep it up, baby. Keep staying right out of that bullpen, Garrett Edwards. All right, that's going to do it, y'all, for this week's episode of the LSU versus Arkansas series review. As always, thank you all for tuning in. As a reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel, 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod. Follow me on Twitter at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Like, subscribe, hit the notifications bell, interact with me as well. Always look forward to it. As always, the podcast will be available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. Next up, I will be joined by some special guests as we preview the Tennessee series. And as a reminder, the Tennessee series starts on Thursday in Baton Rouge. So it'll be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend for the Tigers versus the Vols. Look for the Tennessee preview episode to drop early Wednesday and also be on the lookout for more content from the YouTube page. You check the Twitter account as I will link the LSU versus Arkansas review pod on there. As y'all know, it'll be available in podcasts and YouTube versions. That'll be pinned to the top of the Twitter account. Until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.